Peace be upon you. God willing, today we're going to talk about a pretty critical topic, and the topic is learning and understanding. And it's something that the Quran emphasizes uh, very dramatically. In uh, 5811, it reads, God raises those among you who believe and those who acquire knowledge to higher ranks. God is fully cognizant of everything you do. Uh, that if we want to get to a higher rank to uh, achieve a higher uh, status within God's kingdom, uh, that the method of doing that is by acquiring knowledge. And obviously being able to apply that knowledge is going to be uh, essential. In 2880, it reads, the real wealth. It says, as for those who are blessed with knowledge, they said, woe to you, God's recompense is far better for those who believe and lead a righteous life. None attains this except the steadfast. So God is telling us here that those who acquire knowledge are able to come to these realizations. Um, and it requires us to be steadfast in essence. And in uh, Proverbs chapter 8, uh, verses 10 and 11, it says, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. And you think about this, you know, why is there such an emphasis towards knowledge, understanding, wisdom? Um, it's because when you have these, you have something that's more valuable, more priceless than uh, any material wealth that you can imagine. Uh, because with the proper knowledge, with the proper understanding, the proper wisdom, uh, we can achieve things both in this life and in the hereafter that would be unachievable for someone who is just given the material luxuries. Right? You hand someone $1,000 and you see what they can do with it versus you hand $1,000 to someone who's knowledgeable. Uh, they can make that $1,000 go a lot farther, again, both in this life and in the hereafter. And we know that uh, God is the teacher of the Quran and that the Quran itself is just a dense form of knowledge and wisdom uh, waiting for us to, to extrapolate from. And uh, all knowledge comes from God. And God bestows that knowledge through the Quran, through different means. Um, but all knowledge it inevitably comes from, uh, comes from God. And uh, 1785, it reads, Divine Revelation, source of all knowledge. They ask you about the revelation. Say, the revelation comes from my Lord. The knowledge given to you is minute. If we will, we can take back what we reveal to you. Then you will find no protector against us. And you think about every single scientific discovery, every single engineering breakthrough. Uh, this was all divinely inspired by God that at that time, at that moment, this knowledge, this information was going to be given to mankind so we can potentially benefit ourselves. And when you look back historically, you realize so much of civilization's uh, progress was when knowledge was retained and built upon. And civilizations actually take steps back when knowledge is lost and new generations have to rediscover uh, these, these uh, foundational points. And our test in this life, it depends on our ability to learn. Uh, learn from what God teaches directly through the Quran and learn from history, uh, learn from the, uh, the interactions we have, learn from our parents, our teachers, everything. And um, you can think of earth in essence as a halfway house where we were put into this uh, world to relearn what it means and uh, work our way back into God's kingdom and what it means to be back into God's kingdom. And uh, we're going to school and our textbook is the Quran. And it's not much different than when you go to school and you, uh, you take a class and the professor gives you a, uh, uh, a textbook and that's your requirements to pass that class is understanding and applying that textbook. Our textbook for life is the Quran. And in 231, it reads, the test begins. And it says, he, God, taught Adam all the names, then presented them to the angels, saying, give me the names of these if you are right. 
They said, Be you glorified, we have no knowledge except that which you taught us. You are omniscient, most wise. He said, O oh Adam, tell them their names. When he told them their names, he said, Did I not tell you that I know the secrets of the heavens and the earth? I know what you declare and what you conceal. And God has taught us in this world certain things that have been bestowed upon us through these life experiences that we have, uh, that if we use them effectively, uh, it's going to grow and benefit ourselves. And if we uh, choose to be unappreciative, not apply them, or apply them improperly, it's only going to be to the detriment of our own, own souls. And when we learn something, for instance, you know, uh, God taught Adam the names. Once you learn what that object is, from there on out, it changes your whole understanding of that object. For instance, the first time that a VCR was explained to an individual or a DVD player, a uh, mini disc, whatever, right? No longer would you look at that item and think like, oh, this is just, you know, it's a, it's a paperweight. Uh, you would realize what the meaning is of that object and how it's applied and how it's used and how it can be utilized. And that's the beauty of understanding and knowledge, is that when we learn something, when we can apply a name to it and thoroughly understand it, it changes the whole way that we see that object, that interaction, that scenario, uh, to the point that we can never remove that knowledge. Um, in essence, it's like when you go through an experience and someone explains to you, uh, for instance, like the, uh, the, the tactics of negotiation, and you see the back and forth and the uh, the way that the uh, the negotiations conducted is going to be completely different than if you were going in there and just thinking, hey, these are two people uh, arguing back and forth with one another. Uh, what's the purpose of all this? And when you can apply the methodology, the understanding on top of any kind of interaction, any kind of, uh, be it an anatomy object, a uh, textbook, a book, whatever, uh, it changes the way that you view that uh that object. And if you think about it, so say for instance, you know, typically when we when we are uh, exposed to something new, we try to apply old uh, terminology to it. Uh, for instance, the car, when it was before it was called the car, it was called the, the horseless carriage. Um, and why was that? It was because people didn't know what a car was. They didn't have a, a word for it. So they associated it with something that they were familiar with, which was a carriage. And they said, well, it's like a carriage, but without the horse, so it's a horseless carriage. Um, but obviously, as that, that uh, platform expands, all of a sudden it creates all new kinds of words. A uh, modern-day example of that is like a smartphone, right? Every time there's a new technology, a new uh, uh, discovery, it forms all new forms of words, vocabulary, understanding around that topic. Uh, when Einstein came up with general relativity, all of a sudden, all these abstract uh, topics were brought into layman terms where anyone can go and learn. And same thing with the smartphone. When the smartphone came to the market, all of a sudden, you know, the concept of an app, uh, freemium, uh, uh, CDMA, GSM, uh, you know, FaceTime, all these things, uh, you think even podcasting. Uh, came into being. And now we use these in our day-to-day -day conversations uh, as if they've always been around. But if you showed someone, you know, in the past, say 100 years ago, an iPhone, you know, what would they think? They would say, oh, okay, this is a great paperweight. It, it's meaningless to them. But once that meaning is uh, revealed to them and it's shown to them how it works, how it functions, all of a sudden their viewpoint on that uh, product is vastly different. And, um, the, the way that we understand that is, again, it's through language. And it's such a blessing that God translated this Quran from Arabic to English, uh, which is the prominent language in the world today. 
And without having a language to understand, to get that, that uh, understanding, learning is pretty much, uh, it's a moot point. You're not going to be able to learn. And um, 26, 198 through 199 reads, the Quran must be translated. It says, if we revealed this to people who do not know Arabic and had him recite it in Arabic, they could not possibly believe in it. And it's a blessing that God allowed this Quran to be translated into English, where average person, you know, who isn't of uh, Arabic descent, who doesn't know and understand Arabic, can pick up this book and understand it. And in 4458, it reads, We have thus clarified it in your language that you may take heed. Um, so now we don't have an excuse. We can't say, oh, well, you know, it was written in a language I don't understand and uh, I had no access to it. You know, the Quran's translated. It's in English. Anyone who understands English can pick up this book. Uh, it's easy to understand and they can apply it to their life. So now that we have the, uh, the, the Quran in our language, uh, what's next? You know, how else can we, can we learn? And God tells us in 2282, it says, you shall observe God and God will teach you. God is omniscient. So by observing God, God is going to, one of the names of God is that he's the teacher of the Quran. And when we observe God, when we pay homage to God, God is the one who's going to basically guide our understanding in this Quran to open up our hearts. And for those who aren't sincere, they'll have no access to the Quran. And in 22.5, it says, while some of you die young, others live to the worst age, only to find out that no more knowledge can be attained beyond a certain limit. Also, you look at the land that is dead, then as soon as we shower it with water, it vibrates with life and grows all kinds of beautiful plants. So the question here is, you know, what's this age, uh, this age that basically people aren't allowed to uh, obtain any more information? And from my understanding, this age comes with a person's understanding. And uh, the answer to it is in 288. It says, tragic statement, my mind is made up. So some would say our minds are made up. Instead, it is a curse from God as a consequence of their disbelief that keeps them from believing except for a few of them. Is that once we come to the understanding that, oh, we have it figured out, we understand everything, there's no more to learn, uh, I've reached that, that plateau, then God is going to lead us by virtue of our belief and in essence lock us out from being able to learn anything else. As long as we're receptive and open to learning in the lessons that God is trying to teach us, there's always going to be more to learn. So this takes us to uh, uh, the, the, the first guideline, in essence, to uh, how we learn. And I'm going to pull these uh, verses from the Quran. And my first takeaway is that we need to watch, listen, and pay attention. And listening is absolutely critical. In 5108, it says, you shall observe God and listen. And in 2269, it says, wisdom, a great treasure. It says, we bestow wisdom upon whomever he chooses, and whoever attains wisdom has attained a great bounty. Only those who possess intelligence will take heed. So we have to listen for what God is trying to teach us. And listening can be as easy as just reading the Quran and you know, paying attention to it, or thinking of the life lessons that God is trying to teach us in our day to day. You know, that God is doing everything, that he controls the hearing, the understanding, uh, and nothing, you know, like we talked about in the previous uh, podcast, happens in vain. Uh, every interaction that we have, every TV show we watch, every, uh, you know, lesson plan we sit into, every book we read, God is trying to teach us something. And if we're open and we listen, uh, God willing, he'll reveal it to us. And in 2189 says, you shall observe God that you may succeed. And again, consistently, we have to basically... Uh, devote ourselves 
submit ourselves 100% to God alone. And when we do that, God opens up our heart and uh, grow, allows us to grow our understanding. So that's the first step, is listen. The next thing that it's actually in the first revelation of the Quran is read. God emphasizes this aspect of reading so much in the Quran that it's the very first revelation. It was given to Prophet Muhammad and it was stated twice. And in 96, 1 through 5, it reads, coincidentally enough, Read in the name of your Lord who created. He created man from an embryo. Read in your Lord most exalted teaches by means of the pen. He teaches man what he never knew. And uh, the third revelation is 73.4, where it says, read the Quran from cover to cover. So we see two instances and two revelations uh, of the first three where the commandment is to read. You know, uh, read in the name of your Lord and read the Quran from cover to cover. But there's something else that's interesting. In 96.4, it says, God teaches by means of the pen. So we'll get back to that as far as... Uh, the, the takeaway, but let's focus on the uh, the reading part for now. Um, the second thing is outside of just reading is reading thoroughly. You know, getting deep into a subject matter, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, uh, through Quran talk, through Quran studies, is trying to understand the the, uh, the inner workings of God's system, of the Quran, the teachings, uh, the knowledge, the wisdom that's there, and. It's important that, you know, we go deep into the subject matter. God tells us in the Quran not to accept any information unless we verify it for ourselves, right? It's this constant emphasis like, oh, if you hear a rumor that it's our duty that we have to investigate if we're going to choose to believe it. Um, that God is telling us if we want to truly learn, we need to go deep into the subject matter. And uh, there was a quote from the uh, director of MIT Media Lab, I'm going to read, it says, what you don't want is a bunch of people read the headlines of all the newspapers and just consume everything that everyone else is consuming and then call themselves generalists. That's not useful. They know everything that everybody else has already knows and they're probably going to come out with the same thoughts. When you go deep on anything, you start to find nuances that other people don't know. Now, how often is it that we just read the, uh, the headlines of the news and we assume that we understand the news or we read the headlines of a bill or a uh, proposition, or whatever it may be, and we just fill in the gaps as far as what we what we're understanding is. Now, part of this is just like it's mental gymnastics to make life simple, easy. There's some stuff that we just we don't have enough of an interest, a passion to go deep on. But for the things that matter, the things that have to do with our uh, our soul, uh, you know, our religion, our day-to-day uh, -day practices, uh, it's absolutely essential that we go deep into the subject matter, that we don't just take it from a surface level, that when God tells us to observe God, what does that mean? You know, God tells us to uh, to do our contact prayers. Where's the, the, you know, one thing is obviously we do it, but what's the significance? And trying to understand that. And when we understand it, we grow our knowledge. And when we grow our knowledge, we grow our, our uh, possibility of uh, appreciation for these commandments that God gives us. You know, and one of the interesting things is when people try to uh, generalize uh, what it is to be a submitter. Because they ask, they say, what religion are you? And you say, well, I'm a submitter. It's like, well, what's that? And they try to pigeonhole you into, oh, you're a, you're a, you're a Muslim. Oh, you read the Quran, you pray, you're a Muslim. It's like, no, I'm not a Muslim, I'm a submitter. Uh, I, uh, my worship practices, my uh, devotion is 100% to God alone. I abolish all forms of idol worship. I'm a strict monotheist. These don't suffice for them. The second that they associate it with something that they're familiar with, 
then the conversation pretty much ends. And um, you see this a lot with people who even, they, they go to, uh, the, to try to understand the Quran, and um, as opposed to going deep into the subject matter, as opposed to reading the Quran from cover to cover, they selectively pick one verse out of context, and they come to a conclusion, and they think that, okay, I've uh, read, understood the Quran. And God tells us about this in 444. It says, Have you noted those who received a portion of the scripture and how they choose to stray and wish that you stray from the path? In 451, it says, Have you noted those who received a portion of the scripture and how they believe in the idolatry and false doctrine? Then say the disbelievers are better guided than the believers. And uh, there was an incident that happened. This was in uh, 2010. It was kind of sad. Uh, Shirley Sharad, she was the uh, head of, uh, I think it was the uh, Agriculture Department. Uh, yeah, uh, U.S. Uh, Department of Agriculture. And uh, she was giving a speech at the uh, NAACP. And what happened was she was talking about her first incident uh, where she was working with a farmer uh, who was a racist who was white and uh, how just the resentment she felt. And what happened, and you see this all the time, someone took that snippet of her uh, speech and they just completely blew it up on the internet. She had all this uh, bad rapport, was forced to resign. You know, all these people made these nasty comments about her. And then eventually someone said, hey, well, let's listen to the entire speech. And what was interesting was it was about how she overcame her tendencies of uh, racism and uh, hatred towards, you know, this white farmer and how she overcame that. That was the purpose of the speech. But people, they pick and choose. They pick that one tidbit and they assume they generalize everything else. And uh, as submitters, we need to, in essence, uh, have a higher level of integrity to go deep into the subject matter for things that, you know, we're going to make a moral decision on, uh, that we truly understand it, that we grasp it, that we spend that extra effort and brain power to understand it. And uh, in the Quran, we, we see this uh, the same theme. In 17106, it reads, the Quran released slowly to facilitate memorization. A Quran that we have released slowly in order for you to read it to the people over a long period, although we sent it uh, down all at once. And uh, you think about it, it's like, you know, we have the entire Quran from cover to cover. You could probably read it, you know, say in a couple days time if you uh, wanted to. But that's not the point. The point is to get deep into the subject matter, get deep into the verses and try to really understand and tie things together to grasp a deeper meaning of the overall subject matter. In 2532, it says, those who disbelieve said, why did not the Quran come through him all at once? We have released it to you gradually in order to fix it in your memory. We have recited it in a uh, specific sequence. And um, this one, to me, it's, it's kind of, uh, it kind of hits home. Uh, it's in 2114. It says, Most exalted is God, the only true king. Do not rush into uttering the Quran before it is revealed to you and say, My Lord, increase my knowledge. Now, how often is it that we, we get the message, we uh, come to the realization that the Quran is the uh, the book of God and it's employing the, uh, the messages from God and uh, we rush to our families and friends to try to explain it to them and in, th in doing so, we just completely butcher it. And uh, I think there's real uh, intelligence and wisdom, obviously, uh, in the sense of not rushing into uttering the Quran and uh, allowing these uh, the knowledge and the wisdom to kind of soak in. So let's go back to that other point in uh, chapter 96. So in chapter 96, it says, Read, read in the name of your Lord. He created man from an embryo. Read in your Lord most exalted. In uh, verse 4, it reads, Teaches by means of the pen. And uh, in 68.1, it says, noon the pen and what day the people write. 
And the takeaway I take from this is that first we read, then we get a deep understanding, and we write about it. And there's something that happens when we write about a subject matter that gives us just a much more thorough understanding than when we just listen to it or when we talk about it. And they actually did this awesome study. Uh, they grabbed a group of uh, um, students and uh, they wanted to see how deep of a level of understanding they have through different mechanisms. So in one group, they were given, it was an article, and they were asked to, hey, read this article uh, a number of times and then rate how well you understand this article. The other group said, okay, read this article and then talk about how well, you know, this article um, and then rate, okay, how well do you understand it? And the third group was told to read the article and then write about the article, you know, critically about it. And uh, then rate how well do you understand it. And what was interesting was the people who read the article and then talked about it had the highest confidence that they understood the subject matter the most. And uh, the ones who uh, read the article and wrote about it had the least amount of confidence that they understood the subject matter the most. Now, when they were tested after the fact to see which of them actually grasped the most of the subject matter, the irony was the ones who wrote about it had the deepest level of understanding on that subject matter. And the ones who talked about it had the least level of understanding. And then the ones who just read it and then uh, wrote it were actually uh, on par. They didn't have a high sophistication of understanding, but they didn't have a high level of confidence either. And this is the aspect is that when we put our thoughts down on paper, all of a sudden when we read those thoughts, we're no longer reading them with the same level of bias as when we're talking about them or when we're thinking about them. We're seeing it in a more objective light. And we realize that when we write about a subject, all of a sudden the, uh, the, the follies of our logic, the gaps in our arguments, it becomes more apparent. And it allows us to get a deeper understanding. And that's why I think, you know, the Quran, it emphasizes reading, reading thoroughly, and writing. Um, and what else? So, in addition, you know, we have, okay, those, uh, those items. But how else can we improve uh, our, our knowledge, our wisdom, our understanding? And this one is a little more subtle. Uh, but again, God emphasizes it in the Quran, and there's uh, scientific research to back this, is this concept of sleep. In um, 78.9, it says, We create sleep so you can rest. And in 30.23, it reads, Among his proofs is your sleeping there in the night or the day, and you're working in pursuit of his provisions. In this, there are sufficient proofs for people who can hear. Um, and there's a direct connection between learning and sleeping. And uh, one of the really cool studies was that they were looking at uh, brain neurons and uh, memorization. And what they found out that after learning a task and going to sleep, the amount of retention that the individual had uh, was a lot more than someone who just learned a task and then was asked to re, uh, re-administer you know, that complicated task. And there's something that happens during sleep that all of a sudden the, uh, the, the memories, the learning that we've done during the day, it gets kind of defragged. Um, you know, God knows the exact process, but uh, in essence, it gets uh, wired into our brains uh, to make us a lot more effective. And um, if you want to learn more about that, if you go to healthysleep.med.harvard.edu, uh, it talks about some of the, uh, the studies and the findings around that. And there's also a pretty awesome uh, uh, TED Talk uh, that I listened to um, in regards to the connection between uh, memory and sleep.
And um, in 769 says, uh, remember God's blessings that you may succeed. <laughs> so, you know, by uh, having better uh, sleep, we get better memory. By having better memory, we can remember God's blessings. And uh, another aspect as far as how we can uh, increase the, our knowledge and our capability of learning is uh, by being calm. And uh, this is the foundational piece of submission, is that when we're uh, submitters, we submit to God's will, and uh, we don't allow external factors to shake us. Uh, that anything that happens in our life, that we have the absolute trust that God has our best intention in the mind, and there's a good reason for this. And uh, there is a awesome book. It's called the, uh, the uh, it's called Luck Factor, and it's the uh, it's writings on the largest scientific research around the concept of luck. And what they wanted to find out was why is it that some people are lucky and other people, you know, are less lucky. And what they found out that, you know, obviously there isn't any uh, kind of uh, <laughs> uh, supernatural uh, thing that's happening per se. Uh, but there were certain characteristics that lucky people had. and This is one of the studies. This was uh, my favorite one from the book. Uh, they did a research project where they gave people a newspaper. And they told them, count the number of uh, pictures in this newspaper. And what happened was, you know, the people who are quote-unquote considered themselves unlucky, they would go through and, you know, quickly start counting the, uh, the number of pictures, and they would give the, uh, the total to the uh, researcher and say, hypothetically, you know, 42, whatever. And um, the people who were considered, considered themselves to be more lucky, what they realized was, you know, on the second page, there was a uh, full spread on the newspaper, and it said, don't read anymore, there's 42 images in this newspaper, tell the researcher. And then if you go to a couple pages more, it's a half uh, spread that said, tell the researcher you've seen this uh, ad, and collect, you know, $200. And <clears throat> the conclusion from this finding was that the people who considered themselves lucky we're able to be calm during this, uh, this situation and be able to absorb more of what's going around as opposed to being so fixated on counting those, uh, those pictures that they lost sight of the, these other opportunities. And the ability of being able to see opportunities where other people miss uh, has a lot to do with being calm, you know, being in the moment. Not being so fixated on getting, you know, this one task done, but being kind of open and receptive to the environment around us. And uh, when we do that, you know, God is going to give us opportunities that we might have missed otherwise. And um, if you want to check out that book, it's called Luck Factor, and it's a really good read. Um, in 8.2, it says, The True Believers. The true believers are those whose hearts tremble when God is mentioned, and when his revelations are recited to them, their faith is strengthened, and they trust in their Lord. Uh, 1057, it says, O people, enlightenment has come to you here and from your Lord, and healing for anything that troubles your hearts, and guidance and mercy for the believers. Um, and in uh, 845, uh, this is at the uh, time of uh, war, it says, O you believe, when you encounter an army, you shall hold fast. And commemorate God frequently that you may succeed. And uh, I believe it's in chapter uh, 48 that it says uh, God cools the chest of the believers, either 48 or 8. Um, Got to double check on that. But uh, um, that's another one that, you know, when we're, when we're calm, we're collective, um, that we're actually more open to the uh, opportunities that God is kind of uh, giving to us. And this whole thing, you know, in, in, uh, to kind of tie back to the learning is, 
how do we make the most use of this? When you think about it, it's like God has given us so much resources in this life, you know, today more than ever, where we have access to so much news, so much information, so much learning. And uh, are we fully utilizing this? You know, you think about the iPhone that's sitting in your pocket, right? That this, it has access to the world's largest encyclopedia in the world that has ever been created, you know, Wikipedia, with information on any subject matter you can possibly imagine. Uh, you think about how many uh, videos on YouTube, you know, there's TED Talks, uh, there's uh, lectures, there's all kinds of conferences that in the past you'd have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars and be hand-selected to be able to participate in that are freely available to anyone, anywhere in the world at the comfort of their own home. And, uh, you know, are we really utilizing this, uh, this learning? Uh, you look at there's uh, services like Udacity and Coursera, and they're offering uh, online, you know, college education material from some of the best professors uh, in the world to teach, you know, the most cutting edge uh, subject matters. And uh, again, this is all free, readily available. And uh, just being able to, to utilize that to grow our understanding, because when we learn more, just like we read in the first in 5811, uh, we're able to apply that towards our day-to-day -day life and God willing become better submitters. And when we become better submitters, we can increase our rank within God's kingdom. And there's so many resources. Uh, every day there's new ones that come out. You want to learn how to code. You want to learn how to uh, do pottery. You want to learn how to, you name it, you know, uh, be a, uh, a DJ music. There's endless topics that, you know, there's resources online to be able to teach us to learn from. And every time we learn something new, you know, we can draw parallelisms with that to uh, God and the Quran. And, you know, God willing to be able to grow and develop our souls. And um, it reminds me of the, the verse in 62.5. It says, The example of those who are given the Torah then fail to uphold it is like the donkey carrying great works of literature. Miserable indeed is the example of people who rejected God's revelations. God does not guide the wicked people. You know, you think about this. We have, let's not be like that donkey carrying great works of literature. You know, at our hands, at our fingertips, uh, we have access to the the, uh, the most intelligent minds on the planet. Uh, we have access to tools that, you know, past generations couldn't possibly dream of uh, to be able to grow and develop our souls. We have unlimited amount of books, right, that we can tap into, order for a couple bucks, or even download for free potentially uh, to... to continuously uh, grow and learn. Um, a lot of people, they attribute learning only to something that you do as a child. And uh, learning is a lifelong process. And, you know, we should never get to the point where we think that, oh, we've tapped out. We've learned everything there is. There's nothing more to be uh, gained and uh, allow us to reach that, that threshold. And uh, I'm going to end with a, a verse from Proverbs. It's uh, 1620. It's short. It's sweet. It says, whoever gives heed to instruction prospers and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. So let's be uh, open to the instruction that God is trying to give us. Let's be appreciative of all these uh, tools and uh, disciplines that God has uh, given to us for free uh, through the, 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 the means of technology. And uh, let's use the, uh, the reading, the deep understanding, uh, the writing, um, being calm, getting good sleep, and uh, try to reach our uh, max potential. God willing, we're going to stop there. Uh, if you guys got any comments or questions, feel free to hit us up at Talk at gmail.com. Uh, God willing, we got some other uh, interesting things in the works that, inshallah, we'll be uh, announcing shortly. And until next time, peace and God bless.